Buzz cracking, everybody. Money smart guy, Matt Zipala here. Hey, Lindsay from Dallas, Texas, here from the Grandscape Studios here in the Colony. And uh, I'm excited about this episode of the Millionaire Goals Podcast. And we've got a, a couple gentlemen here that we're interviewing on this podcast. Uh, let me bring up my friend Jason Elias Gonzalez. I don't know if Jason Elias, but uh, born and raised in Brooklyn, New York. Yeah. Uh, sometimes he says coffee. <laughs> where he began his career in financial markets. He's a financial advisor for Morgan Stanley, led to help positions in the investment banking and compliance fields. Uh, Jason has more than two decades of experience working with top-level executives in multiple sectors. Uh, I came across him in the value-tainment community at the uh, uh, Sales Leadership Summit Series. Yeah, a couple of years ago. Hosted yeah. by uh, my mentor, Patrick Bet David, in uh, at the Breakers in, uh, was it, Palm uh, in Palm Beach. Yep. Uh, my next guest here also is Tony Mack, former professional Boxer has a notable career in boxing. He's awarded a bronze medal in the USA Boxing National Championship, became five times Dallas Golden Glove champion, mm. and three times Texas State champion. Uh, he turned probably 27 years old, and soon after the good start in the league, he had to uh, leave boxing for good due to occurring injury with his eye, but he converted his skills into business as an entrepreneur here. And so, gentlemen, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for All having right, us. Thank you for man. having us, man. And I'm excited Appreciate to have you, man. You. Thank you for having us. Uh, you know, I know you in, in Dallas as the uh, the connector. Yeah. So if, if people uh, want to know who I've been making a lot of connections with here in the Dallas uh, area, this guy right here. Yeah. He introduced yeah. me to to Tony uh, at the uh, the Cowboys Lounge. You invited me to the Cowboys Lounge. Yep, the Cowboys Club, yep. yep. The Co- yeah, yeah, the Cowboys Club, yeah. absolutely. So uh, so why people want to ask, why is so many people moving from other states to Texas you got your reasons. And by the way, Tony's also from Chicago, Chi-Town. Chi-Town. South, yeah. South Side. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we're all now. So we got Chicago, uh, Chicago, New York, Chicago, Dallas. What makes Dallas, what made Dallas such an attractive city for you? Sure, sure. And, you know, it, it well, first of all, thank you for having me on the show. Oh, sure, and Tony, bro. Tony's a very good friend also. And um, to what you started saying was also about connecting, about putting the right people together for the mm-hmm. right things. Mm-hmm. But um, to your question, Dallas is an incredible soil. Texas is a great soil. Um, we're also men of faith. We follow our faith. And a lot of what we look at is putting ourselves in the right soil. So personally, when I was making a decision of where I could live, I was in Washington, D.C. before this. I had to take a look at what the right soil was. And at the end of the day, Texas has that great soil because we need a couple of those things to survive. Right. We need the soil. We need the sun. We need the water. We need a little bit of shit. Can I curse? Okay, yeah, go for it, man. Sure, we met around here. We need a little bit of manure to let the crops grow right. Right? We need a little bit of shit. We're human. Listen, don't believe anyone that hasn't had a little manure in their life. That's the way I see it. Manure makes you mature. I just just made that up. I don't know. But but, uh, my point is, is that Texas is an amazing soil. It has great people, faith. Um, great business opportunities, very business friendly. Um, and that was the biggest reason for me. It's, you know, yeah. if you want to be a palm tree, don't put yourself in Minnesota. That's right. Freeze right? to death. Right. Find yourself the soil that's going to fit for you. So as I was making the decision on where I wanted to plant some roots, pun yeah. intended, yeah. Um, <laughs> Dallas was the place to be. Yeah. And, you know, we're going to sprinkle a little of that manure to get mature, right? So, yeah. <laughs> that's for that, sure. That's right. Uh, why, why Dallas for you? Why'd you move down here? All right. So I was born in Dallas. So when I'm in Chicago, I'm from Dallas. When I'm in Dallas, I'm from Chicago. I got you. So my pops, he was born and raised in Chicago. My pops raised me by himself as a single man. So wow. he was okay. an ex-hustler, you know, ex, but he was on a street life. But he took care of me. He was a man. He took care of me. So whenever yeah. I needed something, he'd just fly me to Chicago, yeah. stay with his sisters. So my yeah. aunts raised me. His sisters yeah. raised me. So both of them are home. Yeah. You know, so both of them... Um, 
both of them are home. Both of them raised me, you know. So I love Dallas. I love Chicago. Both of them. Yeah, is where I reside. I claim both of them. So. Um, Okay, now you're, are you are you a Bears fan or a Cowboys fan? I'm a Cowboys fan. Um, I am good, a Cowboys well, fan. First area of conflict in this podcast. <laughs> Immediately, yeah. I love the Cowboys. That was the reason for the seating arrangement. <laughs> and I'm a giant, so they put the giant in the middle. No kidding. But uh, it's, it's funny. Uh, you know, we're, we're in, the, in the insurance business. You know, a lot of people don't realize. You know how strongly, but yet silently powerful the, the insurance industry is. And you know, you know, for example, in, in Chicago, mm-hmm. majority of the big skyscrapers and buildings are. Named after insurance companies. Right. You got, you know, former uh, Sears Tower. Yeah. Now named as Willis. You know, that's insurance. You got uh, John Hancock. That's insurance. You got CNA Building. That's insurance. You got uh, Aon Building. That's insurance. So all these buildings, I can go on and on about all the buildings, tallest buildings in Chicago. They're named after insurance. New York Giants. New York Jets play in the MetLife Stadium. Stadium. Sure. And that is Insurance. Good point. Uh, 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 crazy point about it. what? What's some of the common scenarios that you're finding here, Jason, when you're when mm-hmm. you're dealing with clients, you're dealing with entrepreneurs? And by the way, congratulations on your position as president yep. of Flag Media. Mm-hmm. Um, what What do you see right now in the business landscape? You know, uh, you know, as, as it relates to you know where we're coming from. We're 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 about our business. We're about our our, our, our Lord's business. Sure. And yet we're about our business. I mean, what, do you, what are some of the commonalities you're seeing here of, of folks that you're doing business with in terms of clients? Yeah. The, the biggest thing that we're seeing is identifying opportunities. I think that when you find people that have been successful, they've pivoted a number of times in their careers or in their lives. And I think the most common thing that we're talking about is understanding the opportunities that are on the horizon. And I think that that's a common conversation that we're having, yeah. whether it's identifying AI and what it's going to do for their business, whether it's figuring out what they need to do to survive. It's not survival of the fittest. It's survival of who's willing to adapt to, to what's going on in the environment. So that's really been the common conversation that we've been having is really about figuring out what it's going to take to survive in the marketplace. Because with all the technology that's coming down, they're either going to adapt or they're going to be left by the wayside. So that's easily been the top conversation that we've been talking about is how do we adapt? What do we need to do to adapt? And what do we need to do to make sure that we're prepared for the next two, three, four, ten years if we're going to survive? In in the podcast, for those of you watching right now, uh, we've got some reaction videos we want you guys to react to. What's going on in our economy? What's going on in our society? What's going on with relationships in America today? Because I know we're all faith-based gentlemen here. And, 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 And... how are we going about business as, as, as believers, as entrepreneurs, as ambitious and uh, driven men? How do we go about our business? So uh, for those of you watching this, make sure you stay posted because we've got some of their reactions to what's going on in current events today as it pertains to, uh, it pertains to your, your, your point there. Uh, when you left boxing, how, how was that moment for you? You had you know, retina issues, you had eye issues, and you realized that your dream of being a pro fighter uh, I was about to come to a harsh close. How was that? How did you deal with that? It was very scary. I was lost at one point because I remember when I had those detached retina surgeries. You know, that's one of the worst surgeries you can have because you can't. Sugar rate. Sugar yeah, rate. Yeah. yeah. And I had five surgeries back to back. So In your eye. In, in my left eye. Wow. And so when you're recovering from detached retina, you can't look up. You have to keep your head down on the ground in order for the gas bubble or the oil bubble to stay. So. I had to face down for two weeks straight, and I had five of those surgeries. So I was in a depressed state of mind. So in my mind, I was always thinking about what's next, what's next. And I was, I dibbled and dabbled in certain things, trying to find my path, but boxing always been my path. And so I was like, you know what? Let's not pity myself. Let's let's figure out a way to help other champions. Because I can't become a world champion. How can I help multiple world champions? So that's when I went to my business partner. One of my business partners, Nate, was like, yo, I really think I can open up a gym, man. And he was like, if you're serious, go get an LLC. I was like, 
what is that? <laughs> I'm like, what is LSC? And so I did my research. The next day, yeah. next two days, yeah. I got it done. And then he was like, all right, let's go find a location. And then everything just start going in the right path for me. And then that's how it happened. You know, oftentimes a lot of athletes don't make that transition, though. Mm-hmm. They stay in that depressed state. Exactly. You know, um, there's there's a documentary out there on Netflix I was catching. It's, it's, called, it's called MVP, Merging Veterans and Players, and uh, where they bring together former professional athletes to work out with also veteran military service members because they both go through a, a phase of depression. Because in the military, you might be a sergeant. In the military, you might be a captain, a colonel. Yeah. And you come into a room, you earned your stripes. People respect you. Uh, people salute you. People stay attention on deck, officer on deck, whatever the case may be in the military. So there's that level of respect when you're serving in the military. You're amongst your brothers and sisters in uniform. Yeah. But when you get out, you're in the first civilian division. You're, you're Joe Schmo again. 100%. Right. You're from the bottom. Same thing too with professional athletes. I can imagine you're respected. I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, it was the NBA All-Star game, the game after Kobe had died. It was held in Chicago, Right. And uh, I'm walking in. I mean, it was like everybody and their mom's coming to the NBA All-Star game, right? And so I'm walking in. Right next to me is Ron Harper. Ron Harper played with Michael Jordan. He yeah. won multiple championships, yes. point guard, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm walking in with you like, I'm just like one of the guys. He's like one of the guys, too. You built this damn stadium, right? And I'm like, okay. Oh, all right, that's kind of weird. To my left, down in the McNabb. Walking, really? you got a big hoodie. Chicago guy, of course, too. Chicago yeah. guy too. Yeah, 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 Come yeah, right, yeah, yeah. and you know he was the he was the prize of uh, Philly. Philly. Yep. Yeah. Everybody and the mom wanted to be around Don McNabb. Everybody wanted to be around Ron Harper. Now, life after That's pro sports, point. sure, they're walking in just like everybody else. No security detail, sitting in the back row. Mm-hmm. That's that's got to be that's got to be depressing. Yeah. yeah. To know that you had all the spotlight mm-hmm. and all the shine, mm-hmm. and now you're just like just. Everybody else. It's all about what yeah. what have you done for me lately? Basically, like as in yeah, sports sport. and all this stuff in sports. Yeah. So you got to stay relevant, man. You got to keep yeah. reinventing yourself. Yeah. That's what it's about. Reinventing yourself. That's a great point. Yeah. For sure. For sure. So, so yep. your, your situation. So I'm a married guy. Sure. Okay. I'm a married guy. You're still single. Yep. Okay. Why? <laughs> good looking guy. He put you. He put you. You're rich. I'm just going to look into the uh, camera. You're rich. Yeah. making money. He's going to answer directly into the camera. Um, no, but that's a great question. And at the end of the day, I think a lot of it also has to do with what we talked about before, which was soil. And it also has to do with a little bit of maturity. It's yeah. also about a little bit of the project that I'm launching now, which is a development stage for young men, mm. right? There's a whole thing that we're launching now, which is yeah. called Modern Day Don. Yeah. It's about understanding what young men need to get to the next level, to be what they need to be a Don within their lives, yeah. called Modern Day Don, right? We'll be at moderndaydon.com and on Modern yeah. Day Don Official. But the whole thought process is, is that when you're younger, do you have exactly what it needs? Do you have the right mindset? I mean, look, I didn't even pick up, pick up the book till about five years ago. So I think what that says is there's a certain amount of development. I think that there's an epidemic of, of not having enough fathers in our, in our country, in the world, yeah. across the world. Yeah. So I think it really had to do with coming up in the world. And coming up in the world, it really was about understanding where I was and maybe some decisions I made along the what way. What was your upbringing? A mom, dad, together? What was your situation like? Yeah, so uh, born and raised in Brooklyn. Yeah. Both my parents were both born here. Both of the, uh, All of their parents. Are still together? Uh, no, my, my dad passed away a couple of years ago, okay. Sorry but my mom, I appreciate it, but yeah. my mom is a New York City principal, and so they grew up in okay. Brooklyn. They were together since the seventh grade. Wow. 
They met in seventh grade junior high school, yeah. a school that my mom ended up going teaching in. Wow. Right, seventh grade, they're sitting there, and my grandfather was the neighborhood money runner. Uh -huh. So he was a mini gangster in and of itself. Yeah. So my dad had all this gangster swag to him too, because his, his father was the don of the neighborhood. Uh -huh. So there's amazing stories there and them being together the entire time. But look, there were challenges along the way. I think your environment creates who you are to, to a, a huge degree. Right. I didn't grow up in the best area. There was a lot of situations. Unfortunately, my dad had problems with alcohol as we were coming up. And a lot of that has to do with how you're shaped as, as a person. And it also has to do with how you're forged as a man, yeah. right? Because there's a big difference in men are built versus adult males, yeah. which I think we have a, a, a big society right now of adult males rather than men walking around. You know, the, the thing, the reason why I bring that up, yep. because most guys, when, when I was in Chicago, if guys were single, uh, more, uh, or were older, uh, they had money on their side. I always saw them running game. I don't ever see you running game, bro. Mm -hmm. I don't see you having five, six, ten girls, although you could. Mm -hmm. I don't see you uh, uh, having drama in your life from uh, weird text messages. Hey, sure. man, I got to go because I, you know, sure. I, I, I got to take care of this. You know, I, I think that's that's uh, that's the reason I want to bring that up. Sure. Because if I'm a young man today and I'm coming up, I'm so confused. Mm -hmm. I mean, imagine coming up and, and as a teenage boy and you got Instagram. Yeah, you got you got girls. I mean, me when girls were wearing jeans when I was growing up, you're like, oh she's hot. Right, right, yeah. right. These this girls crazy wearing, these days. These, these girls today wearing <laughs> leggings. I mean, like there's nothing there. You're like you can see the outline, everything. Yep. They're naked, right? basically. Yeah, they're <laughs> naked. You, yeah. Got, yeah, you, you know, can see so, the whatever. You know, and, it's and crazy. I, I'm so I, I'm so. What, what's your yeah, situation yeah. like, uh, Tony? Is as it relates to? I am married, no children. Yes, um, marriage is very good for me because it creates that stability. Yeah. Because when I was in my twenties, fighting. I was out there having fun. Of course, to stop. I wasn't as focused as I wanted to be. That's right. But um, when we but, say the word pre-Christ, <laughs> yeah, and I, yeah. And, I, and I was still a man of God. I was just yeah. I was a David back. Then. <laughs> okay. But uh, but being married has just um, helped me stay focused in my business. Mm -hmm. Helped me stay focused on my. Were you married goals. then? No, okay. this is my first. Me and my wife met in our thirties, and so um, now we waiting to have kids. So we should be have starting to have kids in the next. Couple of months. Yeah, no, rush. no rush. And no rush. Yeah, 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 you know, I still got plenty of time, but um, yeah. it helps me. It helps yeah. me stay focused, man, because um, you have that support you need. You um, you're not worried about what's all out there. You yeah. get to focus on your goals. You get to focus on your task. And um, yeah. yeah, man, because women is a distraction. You don't. Well, you don't need you that. You just hit the nail on the head. They are. And as you were saying that, the sure. biggest word that came yeah. to mind as you were sharing that was the word yeah. distraction. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, there's more distractions than ever. Oh my God. And that's uh -huh. for men and for women, and also yeah. about how we've shifted the culture. And I'm not. But, even, I'm not even looking for yeah. the distraction. The distractions no. are fine to me. I'm on social media. I mean, they're going to pop up right in front of you. And exactly to what you were saying before, there's a lot of distractions that I can decide of what I want to pick up. Yeah. But I have to decide on what, on what I want to focus all of my time in and what yeah. my purpose is. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of young men out there and young women as well that once they figure out what their purpose is, it's a game changer. Because at that point, all the shiny objects aren't that attractive. Yeah, and when you realize the amount of, of, um, of potential collateral that comes along yeah. with them, then they're very expensive as well. <laughs> yeah, oh, for sure. So I think when you can frame yeah. it that way, so to what you were saying and being yeah. able to see the way I move and in this kind of an area, is that that's the way I look at life. Yeah, I agree everything is about bandwidth. Everything is about my attention. Everything is about what I give. When I give to you, I give to you. When yeah. I give to Tony, I give to Tony. That's why I'm blessed to have the people around me. Yeah. But I don't give to distractions. Yeah, I mean, I, I had kids when I was 22. I get back from my first deployment, bam, got married, had a kid. Mm -hmm. And then that same year... 
Filed for divorce and filed for bankruptcy. <laughs> it's crazy. Oh, yeah. Introduction to my book. Yeah. <laughs> just, right, right, right. It was, you know, was pre Christ. Right. But, you know, I, I applaud you, gentlemen, because that's an example that you don't see a lot in men today. They've waited to be more mature, be settled in their, mm-hmm. established in their finances, mm-hmm. established in their career before bringing children into this world. And I think a lot of, uh, of the younger generation, I was part of that. And I'm my biggest mistake. If I had to do my life all over again, I would wait till I'm more established in my money, my career, et cetera, et cetera. To get married. To get married, yep, yep. To, to, start, to start raising kids. Because I've experienced both now. I've experienced, you know, raising kids, you're flat broke. And I remember talking about uh, yesterday uh, uh, being on WIC for 30 days. And I'm like, you know, I'm never doing this again, going to entrepreneurship and then having kids when you got money. Uh, the big difference, you know? Sure. How, how, do, you think, how do you think you guys will be as, as, as fathers? That uh, you know, when we decide to get married, sure. you have a kid, and you, you bring. How, how, how do you think your yeah your yeah. viewpoint on, on well, fatherhood will be? A, a lot of it, I also look at it, uh, from a leadership perspective, and I think that because of the opportunities that I've been given to lead yeah. organizations, to lead groups of people, mm-hmm. um, I think that's prepared me a little more than if I would have jumped in when I was twenty twenty one. I think if I would have had a kid when I was twenty or twenty one, I think that there would be some challenges that I'd be looking back on right now and maybe having some regrets towards. So I think that a lot of the leadership positions that I've had, a lot of the mistakes I've made, a lot of the scars that I have underneath this armor, because there are they are they're vast and deep. At the same time, the time that I spent to heal those wounds and to be able to be a better man today, I think is going to make me a better father. So I'm excited about it. If it's something that that's in the uh, that's on the landscape. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I know that the gauntlets that I've been through are going to make me a much better man because I wasn't the man that I am today, even five years ago. And it takes men to make men. So if God blesses me with uh, with little boys, fantastic. With little girls, fantastic. And you know, I, I'm I feel as though now I'm ready to take take that stand. And this thing I always my my upside. I was, I was telling my wife. My wife, by the way, feels very comfortable with me hanging around you. You know, you, usually uh, you know guys will have friends. Right, Tony? Yeah. The wives won't like. One hundred percent. Right. Yeah. I have a few of those friends. Of course, right. You <laughs> right, go out right, who? Right. Yeah. Why? Nope. Right. My wife feels very comfortable when I say, "Hey, babe, I'm with Jack, Jason." You know, my wife says sometimes, "Well." When are we going to go on a date? We, I wish I was Jason. <laughs> Which tells me, okay, maybe I need to, I need to take the white one. I have a great smile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the dimple, you know. But we call it face cleavage. But you're that, always hanging around. You're always hanging around with other godly ambitious men. and godly men. Sure. Men, sure. yeah. Iron sharpens iron, man. Uh-huh. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't ever see you casually uh, with, with your guard down. Yeah. You know, you know, going out and stepping out. I don't, I don't well, see there's a few interesting words you said there. One is casual, yeah. and two is then the iron sharpens iron. At mm-hmm. the end of the day, when you're a certain, when you've done the work, when you've earned who you are, mm-hmm. and that's one of the mottos that we use behind the Don brand, which is earn it. Yeah. It's very simple, earn it. Yeah. You want it, earn it. Pray to tell God what you want, but then earn it. Yeah. Everything we say, earn it, earn it, earn yeah. it, earn it. So at the end of the day, if you've earned to be a certain animal in this yeah. environment, yeah. what ends up happening is two things. Other similar animals can feel it and enjoy being around you. And then those other animals that feel your predator in Mm -hmm. you, the predator in you, can't stand being around you. So it ends up being a double-edged sword in a good way because there are a lot of people that I choose not to have in my life. And at the same time, they are extremely uncomfortable around me. And I'm completely fine with that. That doesn't bother me one bit. And I think that once you do that and you shine to a certain light, if someone can't look at you, it's because their eyes are dilated because they've been in the dark for too long. <laughs> and your and your so shine is causing them to not be able to see you straight. That's it. I got you. That's right. I got you. Right. So I want to ask you about uh, combat sports combat and, sports and the business cool. of boxing. Yes, you know combat sports is is taken obviously it's it's just continuing to to grow and accelerate. Um, 
my son, my son's a fighter up in uh, Denver. Mm. He's he's a uh, Muay Thai. He's a Muay Thai guy. Yeah. Right. He wants he wants to be a, a hands coach, a mitts coach. Okay. Yeah, that's what he wants to do. So he's got jujitsu going on. He's got MMA going on. He's working a supplement store um, uh, during the day. Uh, what's the reality of making money as a pro fighter? Man, there's so many places I can start, man. So, fighters, they look at Instagram, they look at everything, all this little flashy stuff on the mitts and everything. They, 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 they look at the fun part of boxing. But most of these fighters these days are not willing to run through a brick wall to be successful. Man, so uh, fighters got you to you gotta be successful. You got you to put in the work to get to that level where Mayweather's at. You got to dedicate everything. You got to have a heart. You got to have a chin. You got to have discipline in order to get to that next level in boxing and people don't have that you get hit one time in the mouth the next thing you know you crumble yeah you got to be you got to be a tough dude to get to the next level you got to be really smart you got to live and breathe boxing you just can't have one foot in and one foot out you got to be dedicated to the sport and most fighters these days don't have it especially these fighters they come up in very good upbringing and stuff like this so they don't have nothing to fight for yeah. The most successful fighters are the ones that have nothing to lose. They got to put they 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 they've they been through something in life. Yeah. They they've been through the ups and downs. They yeah. know what it's like to get punched multiple times to get back up multiple times. So you got you got to have that, you got to be willing to run through a brick wall to get to the next level in order to make, be successful in boxing. You know, like in in you know, we just had the combine here with the NFL here mm-hmm. uh, last week, right? And you'll you'll have the guys that are naturally fast. And then what's the thing that they they can't teach speed. You know, they can probably improve a little bit, but mm-hmm. they really can't. T- you're faster, you're not, right? Yeah, 100%. In boxing, is speed in boxing with your hands, is that more? Is that natural or is that nurtured? Coach? It's nurtured. You can really? learn speed. Wow. It's all, in boxing, it's all about timing. Timing beats speed. Timing beats power. It's all about timing. Look at Earl Spencer Jr. He's not the fastest. He's not the, the most strongest, but his timing is crazy. He, he, if, you, if you could time the punches, time somebody's speed, yeah. Time somebody power, yeah. and just have your defense on point and learn how to counter punch. A beautiful counter punch could be anybody with speed. So you just got to have your timing on point. You got to be in the best shape ever and be and be willing to weather the storm with somebody's speed, with fast as ever. Yeah. Then you got to be able to time them and put the work in. Okay, so you have one or two options. You can choose speed, or you can choose power. You can have a knockout punch, or you can have blazing speed. What would you prefer? Man, I would say power. Really. For me, like you, you gotta be, you could be fast, but I've seen some of the fastest fighters make it to the deep waters, like the sixth, seventh, eighth round, wow, yeah. and they have somebody who got power and walk them down. It's just <laughs> the war of attrition. It's just walking them down, walking them down, and eventually the X factor gonna show up and crack you. Yeah. Because I've seen multiple fast fighters, the fighters that like to be on their feet, like to be on a bicycle, yeah. running, 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 pop shot and pop shot. Then next thing you know. They get yeah. tired eventually. If you're not in the best shape of your life, you can't fight like that forever. You can't have that speed. But if you timing your opponent, walking them down, hands up, defense, yeah. using the jab, and then power shot, bah, set them up with the power. Yeah. It's all about timing, setting them up with the power. And then you get that. Once you have the X factor, everybody's scared to fight you. Say, for instance, this fight this weekend, uh, David bit of beat that, bit of ass. Hope I'm saying his name right. And Caleb Plant. This is gonna be a beautiful fight because Caleb Plant is the fastest fighter ever. And David Benavidez is not fast. He just knock everybody out. He yeah. got a, a knockout ratio 100%. Because he beat all those fast guys. They're supposed to be the fast ones, but he walk them down behind a jab and, and crack them. But can I you a question that comes up in, in boxing a lot? Mexican fighters have a brand because of Chavez and his, his yep. chin. 
Now you have you have, you have your black fighters because of Muhammad Ali and, uh-huh. and, and uh, Mayweather and Tyson. Yeah, I mean, is there is there a natural disposition to your your heritage and how well you are as a fighter? Caucasian, Caucasian fighters are like Mickey, like uh, 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 the, the the older fighters, you know, the old OG box, you know, like the yeah. old, you know, against yeah. the New York type style fighters. Is it dumb, dumb it, question, but it's, it gets brought up in, 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 in conversation. It's heritage because really heritage and the way whatever coach you have. Because look, I got the experience both. When I was an amateur, I had a Mexican coach. He was a hardcore Mexican coach. And so my, my skills weren't the greatest, but I was a tough mother. I just walked people down because I started boxing late. Yeah. I started at 20. So my, my skills and my athleticism were there. I had to learn that I was a brawler. Yeah. But he taught me the basics, but I had to be super tough because when he taught me, I was just walking down. I wasn't that much head movement. Yeah. Then when I got with Derek James, which is one of the he's coach of the year, he taught me skills. He taught me movement. He taught me counterpunch. He taught me how to keep my hands up. He taught me how to be a little bit smoother on my feet. And yeah. so I had a little bit of both. So I know how to box at times, and I knew how to walk you down and get you out of there. So it's a little, I had the Mexican style with the black style. Gotcha. It's a little bit of both. But when <laughs> I was black, fighting amateur, like, some of the black coaches kind of be like, man, you're fighting like a Mexican, man. You got you to gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta look. You got to be smooth. Come train. But I was like, nah, I'm so, I was loyal, dedicated to my coach. But when I turned pro, I was like, I, I won't have, you know, I, I can't sustain a good career like this. So I went yeah. with Derek, Derek James. So because gotcha. I, I had a little bit of both. So I'm I'm Filipino. So yeah, Pacquiao, yeah, you, Pacquiao. So what's you're what's the biggest what's Filipino I've ever seen? <laughs> <laughs> so what's the stereotype on Filipino fighters? What's what's our uh, what's our uh, mo? Man, I would say Pacquiao just ruined it for you because everybody expect y'all to be like Pacquiao. That's my perspective. Is he a he's timing a speed. He's a speed. He's, guy. He's, he's a speed dude, and he, he he's good with timing too. Yeah. Pacquiao's all around fighter, and for, he's always moving from different moving. His footwork yeah. angles is what helped yeah. him be successful because. He hitting you with a bunch of speed, and as you know, he on the other side of you. Yeah, he just always hitting angles, always turning. It's, always it's got me confused just watching him. Yeah, <laughs> you know, he's, he's that. But I'm like you say, but look at Marquez. You see what happened to him. He had that timing. He timed that speed. Yeah, and put him, put him out. But it took him three fights. He figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> he's a slow learner, right? He, but, but after that, though, his Pacquiao started going like this going after, after that fight. Yeah, after the fight. Yeah. Did, did you have a boxer you uh, you uh, you looked up to? I mean, uh, New York Tyson. Tyson. I mean, Tyson was yeah. just... I remember we were in the gym because Tony trains me as well. And on, nothing to the level of getting in the ring, but just yeah. from a fitness perspective. Yeah. And we had the conversation once, and it was, who's your favorite fighter? And I'm, I'm a Tyson guy. Yeah. And it's something about growing up in that era. I yeah. grew up in the Tyson era, yeah. you know, uh, Biggie Smalls. Yeah. I mean, I grew up in Brooklyn. Yeah. So you had these guys that were, that were big, that were part of the culture growing mm-hmm. up when you had... You know Wu Tang and the hip hop yeah, yeah, era, yeah. and Tyson Biggie was a part Smalls, of that. Yeah, yeah and Tyson was a part of that. From a financial standpoint, what's the what's the financials of a fighter? Okay, so you obviously only make money. You fight for the mm-hmm. fight purse. Mm-hmm. But what do you do between fights? And what do you do to what make I sure that doing, money, and what, who are you paying? Man, so what I'm doing as a fighter when I was coming up because a fighters boxing is a bro, is a poor man sport. You see what Mayweather's doing, but that's not the reality of it. You. If you don't have a great amateur background, if you don't have like the Olympics under your, or you yeah. had a, um, a good pedigree going up coming in, you'll be fighting for scraps until you keep winning up. You got to fight your way to the top to get to the level after the twenty of something. So you're like the tuna, you're like the practice fights. For we, the, we call the them t- we, call, we call them tomato cans. You fight a couple of tomato cans to, to build you up. <laughs> so you got to you know like so, shoot, like shoot them. Yeah, exactly. We, we, we get a, we get a couple of tomato cans in, and then you build your record up. You get your skills. You you, you build a fighter. So you're not going to make money. So most fighters is you got to sell tickets. 
in order to start making money. So that would them, you get a deal with a promoter, be like, okay, if you bring in this many tickets, that's when you get paid. All right, as, as a deep, fighter, as a fighter, so you got to worry about you got to so, yes, seats yep. as well as you win in a fight. Exactly, yep. But or if you won the Olympics or you was a multiple national sure. uh, champion, that's when you, somebody put money behind you, you get a manager or uh-huh. something like that. And um, yeah, that's how that's how most fighters do it, man. You gotta you gotta work your way to the top, unless you had an Olympic or a crazy background and people willing to back you up. So are fight purses equally split between red corner and blue corner? No, and it's um, not in in boxing. So if you the the star or the the prospect, you get paid more. And if you the somebody coming in the contender, you might get paid a little something. But a lot of people don't want to fight the stars because you're gonna get knocked out. So they pay the opponents a lot more than a fighter sometimes really? just to get just to take the fight. If you if you known for knocking somebody out, you known for just dominating people. Nobody want to fight you. So the promoters will pay the opponent a lot more just to take the fight. Okay, so who do you wow. pay as a fighter? Who, what's your infrastructure? If, if I'm a fighter, who else yeah. am I paying? Man, it just depends on the level you are. Yeah. Say, Vince, there's, um, man, you can, some fighters start up with like $1,000 to really? 5000 when you first start, $10,000. It it, it, every fighter is different. It just depends. But if you if they trying to bill you, sometimes your opponent going to make a little bit more money than you because they know that, you know, they're not paying you to knock. They're not paying you. They're not paying an opponent to take a fall. Yeah. But they just know that this is a prospect and they know that this guy is going to get him out because he have the amateur background, he yeah. have the experience, he have the skills yeah. more than than this guy right here. So they're going to pay him a little bit more. But some fighters, just it just depends on your background, yeah. if they're willing to invest in you. So it's, it's hard to say. But for, like for my experience, I started boxing late. I started at 20 years old. Mm-hmm. So I had a lot of, I wasn't an athlete, but I had the, but I had the amateur background. So I signed with Prize Fight Promotion. But I had a Prize Fight Promotion out of Memphis. They, they took care of me, but I wasn't getting paid a lot. They were just banking on me to to make it big. to make it to the world, yeah. world world title, but then that didn't go the way I wanted to. But then, but I ended up going fighting with another promoters in Dallas. But then I started making more and more money because I had a big name in Dallas, and they ended up calling me that. My nickname was the Ticket Seller. Like I sold tickets. I mean, everybody came out to watch me fight. I mean, I and I got a big purse off of the ticket sales. Like, if I didn't sell those tickets, I wouldn't have got paid much. So, what would you say right now to because uh, a lot of the people that's watching us on uh, on YouTube? Mm-hmm. are between 18 and 35, mm-hmm. and they might want to consider a career in boxing. What would you tell a young fighter? What would you tell my son who was, uh, who's wanting to establish a career in your industry, in your sport? You got to have heart. You got to have discipline. You got to be, again, I said this multiple times, you got to be willing to run through a brick wall to be successful. You got to be able to face adversity because you're going to, you're going to get knocked down a thousand times before you get up because everybody's not, not perfect in boxing. It takes a lot to hone your skills. It takes a lot of ass whoopings to get to that next level. And if you're not willing to do that, you're not going to be successful. I mean, you really got to dedicate your life to boxing. You just don't. You can't have one foot in and one foot out. You can't play boxing. You can play football. You can play basketball, but you can't play boxing. You got to take it serious. You got to take it to the next level. And you will not be successful if, you're not all the way, if your heart's not all the way in it. So I would suggest... Doing something else. I tell my fighters all the time, do me a favor and quit. <laughs> I was like, you're not going to waste my time. I, I want somebody who's hungry, who's dedicated. I want somebody who I got to tell to stop training. Mm. I got I to write, look, man, <laughs> s- slow down, man. Go, 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 go get some rest. Yeah. Stop running. Stop. You're going you're gonna to hurt your body. Yeah. I haven't found that person yet. By the way, Tim Grover, Tim Grover, who is the, uh, the trainer to Kobe and Michael Jordan, Dwayne Wade, that's what he used to tell. Kobe all the time. Mm-hmm. Hey, Kobe, get some sleep. Get some sleep. You have to. It's part of your training. 
and, 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 and want to sleep. And my thing is, I can't want it more than my fighters. If I want it more than my fighters, it's bad. I, I don't want to deal with you. And that's and that's what um, my coach used, yeah. used to tell us all the time. I can't want it more than you. Yeah. If I want it more than you, you're in the wrong sport. I mean, Jason, these are some. What he's talking about yeah. is the attributes necessary to survive in business. It's business. Yeah. Boxing and business go hand in hand. We talk about it all the time. <laughs> Completely. <laughs> you know, there's there's so much when it comes down to the dedication that's necessary, the training that goes into it, and just putting in the work. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. what's the old saying? The more you sweat, the less you bleed. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's the whole idea. First, I'm hearing it, but I, I like it. Right, there we go. <laughs> we yes. say the Marine Corps. The, the, that copyright, Jason <laughs> yeah. Elias, 2023. Well, Marine Corps say, um, Marine say, the more you sweat in peace, the less you bleed in war. There you go. Yeah, mm. yeah and I, I think that's very similar. I think then where that can then be taken to the business world is then the team aspect of it. Yep. Is it then understanding when you're in the ring, what's the best position you could play in the business uh, side of things? Yep. Because I think then that there's the relationship between yeah. it then becoming a team sport after the fact. Yep. But I love what Tony just said where he says you can't play boxing. Yeah. I was like, ooh, I like that. Yeah. I had never heard him. I never yeah. heard that before. Yeah. But it's a great point. It's right. You can't play boxing. You can play a sport. But boxing is combat. Boxing is pure combat at its finest, and you can't play around with that. And that's why a lot of the men, and Tony included, have a lot of respect for Tony and people that are willing to step in that ring and, and, and put themselves in the face of the purest form of combat that still exists. And I think what, with what's going on in America today, you know, the, 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 sto- the story that's being sold and it's getting a lot of shine are those that want to play the victim. Ooh. The biggest complainers mm, right now yeah. get the biggest megaphones. Sure. You know, and um, Chris in, in, Rock, right, right, <laughs> right. That was, for sure. Like yeah. I'm not playing a victim. I love it. Yeah, right. <laughs> and uh, you know, you know, just listening to you, Tony, uh, you didn't say because I'm black I'm going to win, or because they're white they're going to win, or because they're Puerto Rican or Mexican they're going to win. You said whoever's putting the time, whoever's putting the effort, who's willing to run through a wall, that's who's going to win. That's why they call boxing the chamber of truth. <laughs> Chamber of Truth. That's why you're going to. They would. They would tell you who you put the, the nuggets today. <laughs> it's going to tell you who put the most work in. It's going to yeah. tell you who ran. It's going to tell you who slept, who ate right, who did the who did the extra work, mm-hmm. who did the work outside, who left the gym and went to work. That's what it's going to boxing so, to tell you the truth. That's right. 100. All the excuses are out. All the excuses. I don't care out. where we come from. It, 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 you can't say nothing because it's going to tell you the truth in the ring. Yeah. Bam. Well, I, I think uh, I think a lot. More people need to hear that message today because, like I said earlier, I mean, uh, if you cry and, and whine long enough, you get the attention, sadly. But the, the opposite is true. If you're excellent enough, you'll also get the shine. But it's a harder path. Harder path to be excellent, to get the shine. Easier to complain and play victim, and you get the shine. Agreed. So, um, you know, I, I want to... I wanna sh- uh, uh, shift to some stories that's going on in, in our country today. I would love your guys' opinion on it. Um, when when you, got, you got people in, in a situation where um, we have a leader of our free country, and uh, um, uh, Jordan, can you play that clip about what he's doing with uh, Ukraine and, who, and, and the people that he's taking care of? Let's, let's, take, let's take a look at this clip. They'll deliver much needed humanitarian assistance as well as food, water, medicine, shelter, and other aid to Ukrainians displaced by Russia's war, and provide aid for those seeking refuge in other countries from Ukraine. It's also going to help schools and hospitals open. It's going to allow pensions and social support to be paid to the Ukrainian people so they have something, something in their pocket. 
It's also going to provide critical resources to address food shortages around the globe. How do you guys feel about a president wanting to take care of everybody else? Take care. I, I, I understand war. You got to send food and you got to send, you know, I understand that that's your position. And I'm not saying I agree with it either. But when you say I got to take care of their pensions, and I got to take care of their financial wherewithal, and we got people here struggling with their, with their own finances, what are you guys' thoughts on what our current president is doing, especially when, it, when he sa says that on, on his platform? Right, right. You got to excuse me. I don't, I don't talk politics. I don't yeah. really buy into it. So I'm, a, I'm not going to say nothing. <laughs> I'm just because I don't. Mm -hmm. I really don't get into it as much. I just, I no just problem. do what I'm supposed to do, and yeah. I just do the best Probably I that's can. It. That's it. That's the point, though, right? <laughs> I just do the yeah. best I can and just um, keep plugging away. So that's sure, sure, sure. All you. Well, no, and 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 that's a great point in that realizing you know where there are topics that either we don't want to touch or that you know mm -hmm. we feel that you know aren't something that we want to get into right away. But to your question, um, spoils of war. War is a horrible thing. No one can argue that point. The question is whether or not we have leadership in place that understands what the responsibility of that leadership is. Mm -hmm. I believe if you're going to take the responsibility, albeit a CEO of a company or president of a country, head of a, of a nonprofit organization, your main responsibility is the vitality of that company, organization, country, et cetera. And I think that when you shift your focus on things outside of that company, organization, or country, I think that it becomes distractions, and I think it takes you off the main purpose yeah. of which you are given that responsibility to serve. If you've been put into a certain position of responsibility to serve, you have a certain contingency that you need to serve, what can happen is, is that if your attention starts to be diverted mm -hmm. to serving other causes, yeah. not to say whether or not other causes are good or not, but if I have a restaurant here and my, yeah. my responsibility is yeah. serving anyone in my restaurant, yeah. Is it responsible for me then to worry about or to focus on cooking something for someone that's in another restaurant or that's not within my purview or yeah. within my dominion? Yeah. Um, and I think that's what needs to be said is that within these leadership positions, I think we have a global epidemic and an epidemic in our country uh, when it comes to strong, healthy leadership. Mm -hmm. I think that's the biggest epidemic we have in our country. And I think a decision like this and on a platform at the highest possible level speaks to that um, to, to that epidemic. Because I think if you're a person is going to take that responsibility to um, lead the way, to grab the, the steering wheel, so to speak, mm -hmm. they have a responsibility to those that they serve first, and then after that, decisions can Was be this campaign Build Back Better? That's right. I mean, that's his campaign, right? Sure. That's what people voted. Sure. Uh, let's take a look at the, uh, here, here's, some, here's some data. Uh, uh, Jordan, if you want to share my screen here real quick. Um, this is the data of the current pensions in the United States of states that have their pensions funded or unfunded. Notice which state has the most funded ratio. They, may have, they have more money than they need for the pension to pay their workers that work for their institution, or for the, in this case, the state, to make sure that they can't take care of them in terms of their pension. Who's at the top? Yeah, D.C. Watch, they took care of themselves, didn't they? Sure. Number two, state of Washington. Number three, South Dakota. So South Dakota, if you want, if you want to have your work for state of South Dakota, and you want to have a pension, they got you. You're, you're good to go. There's no worry about your pension not being at a compromised risk down the road. Go, go to the bottom here. If we go to the bottom, this is bottom right. Most unfunded pensions. Mm -hmm. Kentucky, they have a 42 billion dollar shortfall. That's a lot. The state I'm from, a 209 billion dollar shortfall. 
That's Illinois. And so when, when, and look at Texas, somewhere right in the middle, 78% uh, unfunded liability. So basically 78% funded uh, in terms of their pensions. So they're in the left, you want to be on the left side of this, of this report, not the right side. The right side, uh, you're in bad shape. And so uh, the reality is, we can come back here, Jordan. The, the reality is this, 89% um, was the former funded ratio of state and local retirement systems, but it declined in 2022 after the pandemic, 77.3. So it's going less. Equitable Institute estimates that unfunded liabilities will total 1.45 trillion for the 2022 fiscal year. So in other words, people out there working hard, they're putting in time, they're, they're, they're trading their best years of their life to work for <clears throat> the state, to work for a company that's gonna provide a pension, and then you have things like this. Wait, we're gonna take your tax dollars that we collect here in America to support the retirement and pensions of some other country, to fight a proxy war. It's got nothing to do with, like, like Tony, it's like saying, listen, I'm about to go fight against this guy, and uh, he's not prepared. Mm. They're not prepared for the fight. And they're not bringing the very best because they're unprepared. So I'm gonna take from my purse, from my family, from my coaches, my trainers, my cut man, the people that support me, and I'm gonna give it to the other camp. And hoping they, they pay me back when the fight's I got you. I see what you're saying. That, yeah. Right? Would, would that be something that, would you do that as a fighter? I mean, unless, of course, it's your charity. But if that's the way you went about doing business. Not really. I wouldn't do that. I Because um, you fight for what you. I fight for. You earned the, it. The time I'm putting in, the, the, the earning and all that stuff. So in boxing, that's what it is. You don't get no extra purse or extra whatever. You, you can sign a contract and you're fighting for what you put the work in for. And then you have a reputation. You say, hey, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to fight Tony Mack because, you know, I don't have to really prepare for my fight, but if I fight Tony Mack, he's going to help take care of my bills. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm going to fight him. That's why people want that Mayweather fight because you, your life going to change. <laughs> but, 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 but that's because he's drawing eyeballs. He's, drawing, yeah, exactly. he's, he's, he's not giving you money from his side. No, Matter of fact, it's the other way. He's, he's, he's got the lion's share. Exactly. So they know once you fight somebody like that, their life going to change. So, yeah, so I see what you're saying. Let's go to a topic here you might feel a little bit more comfortable with. All right. Um, Shannon Sharp. I like uh, is, uh, you, you like him. I like, I like, I like him. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> but apparently, um, um, he, he sent out this tweet. I don't know if this is, uh, do, do you have that tweet out there? This is my first time hearing this. Oh, What's okay. Going on? So he, he, he puts out a tweet because uh, he's basically giving a hard time to Scottie Pippen because his uh, ex wife, Scottie Pippen, uh, 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 um, right, his ex wife, uh, Larsa Pippen, is now j- dating Michael Jordan's son. She was dating somebody else too, right? Okay. She was dating a couple of NBA players and a couple of NFL. All right, she, <laughs> she okay, got right. fun. By the way, in Chicago, <laughs> I bumped into him. Uh, we were at uh, uh, Bijan's uh, late night in Chicago, bumped into him, yeah. bought a uh, pip a drink, and there was, there was Larsa right next to him. Anyway, she says here, uh, when I was married, okay, I had sex like four times a night. Okay? Four times a night. So... Four times a night? Four times a night, man. All right. Four times a night. So now she's dating uh, Michael Jordan's son, obviously a lot younger than she is. So anyway, Shannon Sharp sends out, uh, sends out a tweet. He, he, he sends out this tweet. Says, uh, he says, that's why, that's why Pip was plagued with back problems during his career. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, and they give him- My back hurts from reading this, right? Oh, I have uh, that relationship now with Jordan and Pimpin'. I got to be weird. Here's a dumb here's a dumb question. Here's a dumb question. As men of faith, right? It's just men. Okay? Um how do you feel dating a girl with this type of reputation? Would you do it? No. It's just going to 
make you feel you got to you always watch it back every time. That's what you don't want. You don't want nobody. You got to always just just think of what 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 if this going on? What if that's going on? You just gotta. I won't do it. Like who she ran game? Yeah, who, exactly. Yeah. I won't do it. Yeah, if I heard she's messing around with so many guys, of course people could change any, anything about that, but um, it's just scary a little bit. By the way, any Lar- Larsa Pippen's response to this tweet? She goes, "Well, he's got a size 15 shoe. He's fine." Uh, <laughs> Making funny. an innuendo to something yeah. else. <laughs> right? exactly. Making an to something else. Right. She is something else. Well, what about you? Would you date a woman in this capacity that has this? Well, when it comes to resume. value, right, and I think that's a great word, right? I think it's a great word when it comes to resume because men are judged on their value based on the, the resume and what they've done and accomplished, what they've mm-hmm. earned, right? That's why we use that, the, the kind of the hashtag earn it. Yep. And the other way around, I think that if, uh, if a woman makes some decisions that she could potentially be making herself less desirable to other men. It may be one of them, but that's okay, right? I'm not, I'm not in the mix for, for that category. But I think that, you know, it is something for young ladies to think about. And the other challenge there is whether or not there are young ladies that are emulating this and idolizing this and not realizing what comes along with it, what yeah. comes along with certain types of behavior. Because, you know, that's the whole OnlyFans epidemic. Yeah, for sure. Right? So now what comes along with that type of behavior is going to be long-term consequences. Yeah. And, and I think that that's, the, you know, that's a, definitely something that's viable, and it's about character. And they have to realize those character decisions, it's going to stick around. And I'm not here to say whether anything is ethically right or wrong. Yeah. I'm just here to say that those decisions are going to stick around Nobody's for the long perfect. haul. So, so yes, as a married man, what initially attracted you to your wife? Our conversation. We... Um, and it was moments when we was quiet and didn't feel awkward at all. Yeah. We just had a, a really good time. Okay. And yeah, she made me she made me wait. <laughs> she didn't. Okay. You know, normally so when I was, when I was a fighter, I tried to close the deal. Yeah. <laughs> that day I'm like, yo, let's go, whatever. But she was uh, very respectful. She 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 was very respectful. She was uh, she respected herself. And so um and she was just a just a good person to be around with. The conversation was fun, and uh, the energy was fun. And of course, you could fall in love with anybody, but it's all about chemistry and stuff like that. We had we just had a good chemistry, and it was just it was just a, she was a good person. When she was a woman of God, that's what made it happen too, because mm. you know she uh, a woman of faith, so that helped out a lot. So so both of you guys, honestly, mm. uh, if you put a scale of one to ten, what would naturally initially attract you about a woman, her character yeah. or her looks? Initially, initially, she got to look good first. That's going to that's going to that's going to attract too, right? you. Me too. Yeah, too. she got to look right. Okay. You know, okay. attraction. Yeah. But reason is, I ask this question to a lot of women. Looks is not at the top of the list for a lot of them. It's a lot of it's, yeah. It's the guap. It's, 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 it's the guap. You got to have the guap. Like guacamole. I mean, yeah, you got to get, get the guap. You got to get the. Where did that come from? Is that a Chicago? <laughs> <laughs> You know, that's a, it's an honest question. Hey, Where yo, I honestly don't know. I just know the used, origins just of guac. <laughs> Let's guap. go Google it. Origins of guac. This is what we need to talk about. Guac, can we find out guac. what guac is? Is that guap? You got to get that. What about? Is it with a P? Guap? I say guap. Guap. It might be guacamole, guac. Let's, let's I look like guacamole, guacamole because it was like, extra, like, right? Like if you go to Chipotle. If you go to Chipotle, guac is extra. Guac is guac or guac? Uh, 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 Jordan can go on the uh, uh, monitor here. Uh, guap, we found <laughs> it. Urban dictionary. Yeah. Urban dictionary. Right? Urban dictionary. Yeah, right? It oh, means it it, right. it's it. Guap, you had it right. You're short of guapo. It could mean that you have money in your hands. Take a moment. Uh. Count my guap. Oh. Count my guap. I, I knew what All I was these talking rap- about. <laughs> <laughs> 
Right? So, yeah, that's right. To, All to, right. To follow now, you know, you got that guap, Jason. And, you know, listen, I, I do. And uh, I thought it was guapo. I didn't know where it came from. Who well, hey, money's handsome, too. It's very hey, handsome. Money's handsome, too, as well. It goes back to your point as well. Maybe what are some of the things that are most attractive in a man? In a man, if you ask young ladies, what do they say? You know, um, yeah. I, I, I would say for my wife, the, her, her character showed out because uh, she was making her own. Like, not, do I like the fact that Sheena was independent. She had her own thing going on. She was in sales. Mm-hmm. She was ambitious. Uh, she was a, m- a single mom handling her thing. What, what got me to have a check mark with her, green flag, not red flag, green flag was, I said, babe, uh, let's go to Vegas. She goes, really? Cool. Right away, she booked her ticket. Mm. She didn't wait for me. She booked her ticket. Yeah. I'm like, whoa, she ain't wait. And she knows, you know, she, she knows I was making money. You made a really good point because my wife was the same way. She was a surgical assistant her entire career, yeah. and she never once asked me anything. She always wanted to split the bill. She always wanted to pay. And I was like, ah, oh, that's pretty cool. It made me want to do more for her because yeah. she wasn't money hungry. Yeah. Yeah, so. Yeah, so she had, her, she had her finances She, she had her finances together, yeah. Now, now, there, now, in this movement today, in this era, you know, you got this movement of women out there. He was, I'm, a, I'm a boss B. Right, mm-hmm. I'm with this right, but there's the difference between being a boss B and and and, and flexing it, mm-hmm. just like the same guy, you know, having this guap, yeah, and flexing it too. But also know being confident. Listen, I ain't got to flex it. I ain't got I ain't got to show, but I, I'm confident in my finances. And 100%. if I don't like this, di- if I don't like this date, I know I can Uber home. I can take a cab home. Yep. get out of here and safely get home without me depending upon the man yep. to take me home. You know that you know I've, I've got twin daughters that are. 21 years old, and I want to make sure that they mm-hmm. can walk out of the date. If, exactly. They ain't feeling it. Exactly. Yeah. Do, do you think uh, your, your demeanor uh, or think that anything about you would change if you were to have, your wife decided to have kids one day mm-hmm. and you have a daughter? Yeah. You have a certain demeanor of, of, of uh, how you would be with a son versus a daughter? Yeah, I am. I'm going to be very different. I think I'm going to be a push-up when it comes to a daughter. Yeah, me, I, I, I'm, I'm definitely a push-up. My son, I'm like, all right, son, you're seven years old now. You're a man. Quit, 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 quit crying. Get a, get a job. Today, you yeah. will find employment. He said get a job. He's going to get a job. Quit crying, boy. That's funny. But no, um, yeah, I'm going to be a little different. Regardless, they both are going to learn how to fight. I'm not going to make them fight. They're going to know how to protect themselves, and I'm going to just let them just... Just have fun with life. Let them find their own path and let them figure it out themselves. Because that's what my family did and my pops did with me. He didn't force me to do anything. He just like, hey, whatever, son. Go do what you want. <laughs> like, he literally let me do what I wanted to do growing up. Like, I didn't have no curfew or anything. But at the same time, he installed the fear of God in me. And I always knew that if I messed up, that he was going to, he was right there. And that's what I want so bad. I want to let my kids do what they want to do, but know that if they mess up, I'm on their ass. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so... That's what made me want a kid so bad because my pop was raised me by himself. Yeah. He could have been a, you know, he was out, like I said, out running the streets and all that stuff, but he made sure I was taken care of yeah. as a single man. Yeah. He was messing with different women and all this, but he always came first, no matter what. And so I'm like, I want that same, I want to build that same legacy. I don't want to be the same man my pop, I want to be twice the man my pops was because of what he installed in me. I want to mm-hmm. keep that going. So I give it to my son or daughter, it don't matter, but mm. that's, that's, that's what I'm doing. I'm gonna let my son have his own or daughter have his own yeah. mentality, have their own thought process, and just let them live this life because it's it's scary out here in this world. You just gotta yeah. just trust God, man. That's where faith come in. That's where God. You gotta raise them up in a godly manner, man. You gotta just keep them in in faith in church. Let, let's shift to that category. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you choose a pastor? How do you choose a pastor? Man. Do, do you have do you ever because there's certain churches I've been been to like yeah, it's cool and you know, worship's cool and music's cool, but all right, yeah, you know, 
doesn't want make me not to say that you have to mm-hmm. be motivated to come every Sunday because that's that's your that's your, your yeah. If there's anything religious about it, it's that's your, that's your duty to serve the church, to, to show up, to continue yeah. the fellowship, as it says in Hebrews, to show up, to continue the fellowship, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But how, how does one choose? I've got my thoughts on choosing a pastor because yeah. when I moved to Dallas, that was one of my, my cares. Can I find a church yep. that's yep. playing offense as a ministry? And you were yeah. actively looking, I remember. Yeah. And you know, a lot of that has to do with um, who has walked a path that you're interested in learning how they walked. And I think that's very important. I think it's important in anything that any conversations that we have and finding a mentor in the business world, yeah. right? That mentor is someone you want to have had walk that path. Um, they can provide better insight. And I think the same is, is with a pastor. I think a pastor has to be able to provide insight. Mm-hmm. And a pastor is almost like a chef, right? And every pastor you go to has the same basket of ingredients, the Bible. But everyone cooks it up a little bit differently, yeah. right? So it's about understanding how you ingest what you're hungry for, and how that pastor cooks. Just a metaphor that I made up, but therein lies the thought process in saying, you know what, the way this pastor cooks it up, I'm, I'm not sure that, that I agree with that a thousand percent, but they've also walked a walk that I'm interested in learning from them. Now, so I think that's important. If, if they're walking a walk, do you think a pastor should love their job? Mm-hmm. They should like, like they should run through a wall type. Run through a brick wall, yes. Yeah. And that's yeah. a pastor I have. My pastor is also my business coach. I don't know if you heard of Keith Craft. He, of course. he does it. Well, by the way, I, I, I literally all, just left guys, uh, yeah. Masterminds. Mm-hmm. Before I came here, I was mm-hmm. in Keith Craft Masterminds. And so I do that once every every six months, and he's been my mentor. And the way he teaches, he does everything through godly principles. He does do money through godly principles. He does, he teaches legacy. He teaches alignments. He teaches yeah. um Alignment just, discerns just, the assignment, right? Yeah, his, his, yes, exactly. His leadership ologies. His leadership ologies. Yeah. And I and I been with him since 2019, and um, I had different I went to different churches and everything, but I just love the way he just not afraid to talk about money. He's not yeah. afraid to talk about business in yeah. church, and it inspired me. And that's how my and politics in politics. He, he talked politics. <laughs> in church. I'm like, yo, it's not me. <laughs> and I go, I love. But he said, you know, he's he's not afraid of that. But my first church service at Elevate Life was when he was breaking down CRT. Yeah, remember? He's not afraid of that. Yep. Uh, Jordan, can you look? Uh, can you show my screen here real quick? Because here's the challenge, though. Uh, only half of U.S. pastors are very satisfied with the vocation, says the study. So if you want leadership in a country and it's led through the churches, you know, the, 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 ch- the challenge here is that, here, what's this saying here? The, the share of pastors with a high level of satisfaction regarding the vocation has dropped 20 points since 2015, when 72% of pastors characterize, characterize themselves as very satisfied. Our research shows that today's pastors are deeply struggling with their sense of calling in the wake of COVID. In 2020, two-thirds, 67% of pastors surveyed consider themselves very satisfied. That's it? So my thing with the pastors, you're letting a lockdown, a shutdown, a virus, a conflict, a distraction keep you, keep you from preaching the word that you're supposed to be preaching. Matter of fact, it should be opposite. Mm-hmm. You should be doubling down because a lot of values and principles that we stand for in our faith was challenged during COVID. 100%. And if COVID made you think twice about being a pastor? What, you don't what, love it. Well, yeah, what were you being a pastor for? Exactly. You got to fight for that stuff. Are you only a, a good time pastor when times are good? And I like wartime pastors, man. Wartime pastors are willing to sure. go after and, 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 and you know, take the gloves off. You got to have that warrior mindset, man. That pastor's got to have, like what Keith Crabby teaches, he said that um, I, got, I went to warrior, and I got warrior night tattooed on me. So there's battles we're losing. 
the battles we lost, battles we're still fighting, the battles we won. So we got to have a warrior mindset. And some of these pastors don't have that warrior mindset. So when things go wrong, they like to crumble. But you got to keep fighting, man. You got to have that warrior mindset. So that's what we're about, man. Completely. Fighting. Do you, do you want down the road your kids to go to college? Not really. I didn't go to college. I barely made high school. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm, the, I'm more successful than the smartest people in college. Meaning in high school. Some of them, you know. Yeah. But um, it's all about finding your path, man. It's all about finding what you willing to dedicate your life to. It's all, it's all about finding something you're passionate about. It's yeah. all about your core passion. Yeah. And you don't, I don't think you need college unless you're going to be a doctor or a lawyer or something so STEM. like that. So STEM, basically. Exactly, yeah. So I, I believe... STEM. You should intern somebody that you look up to, a mentor. Find a mentor and follow their steps and yeah, and take it to the next. Because that's what I did. One of my mentors is Nathan Pibitone. He um, he owned a blind company, but he's just a hardcore entrepreneur. And I seen him um, just put in work day in and day out. Build. A, he lost. He had millions of dollars. Lost the millions when he when he met me and I saw him build his million dollar business up again. Mm-hmm. And he he like while I was fighting, he always taught me about what's next. That would help me become more successful. In the the membership business, the boxing business, I am now because we always planned it. Like you can't fight forever, so what's next? What's next? So we always planned on me becoming a coach, but we didn't know that it was gonna happen so quick. And so that's one of the reasons why I'm successful right now because of that. What's next attitude? He always had that. He always taught me the principles of building a business. What do you see more, millionaire fighters or millionaire entrepreneurs? Millionaire. That's a good question. I see more millionaire. Entrepreneurs now, man, because it's yeah, millionaire entrepreneurs because it's all about uh, the people that figured out what you can't fight forever. Once you learn that you can't do this forever, then you could yeah move into something else. Because most fighters seeking that right now, like the fighters I came up with, they thinking about what's next. And I'm saying some of them be be successful. Yeah, as one of them, and it's pretty cool that some of the world champions that I looked up to, some mm-hmm. of the world champions that I yep. used to admire. And they're they, they, they coming to me for business advice now. They're like, yo, I've been watching you on Instagram. What did you do next? What is, like, how, how, how did you start this business? How did you get into this? How did you get into that? I'm like, yo, I look up to you. Like, I, like, and you're asking me for advice. So I'm like, yo, so that's a good idea. We could, don't take my, my idea, but, you know, mastermind for these athletes on what's next. Yeah, uh, yeah well, you know, it's all about these ex athletes. It's interesting that you mentioned that is that, so even, uh, last night I was at an event. Texas A&M University is doing this amazing program for student-athletes mm-hmm. called Amplify You. Yeah. And it's being put on within the entrepreneurship program and with the School of Business, all four student-athletes. Yeah. And that's the whole thought process. Yeah. So a couple of former NFL players that were there yesterday, and they said jokingly that NFL stands for not for long. Yeah, yeah Not say, for long. Yeah. That's funny. Right? Yeah. <laughs> not for long. Not for long, right? And the average NFL career is three years. Yeah. At the same time, what are they thinking about that's going to be mm-hmm. poised for the future? Yeah. So we pivoted slightly, but at the end of the day, I think it's about skill set. One of the other questions you asked Tony was about college and what mm-hmm. it means to uh, children. Yeah. Again, I think to add on to what Tony said, I agree with him a thousand percent. It's about whether or not your children have found what it is their, their purpose is. Yeah. If you found the purpose and it's aligned with a higher education and an institution, absolutely go for it. But if their purpose is not aligned with an institution, then is it really necessary? I don't know. And I think that that's something that's being taught within this program. Again, Texas A&M University, Amplify You. And what they're doing is they're building out a lot of the mindset for athletes and making them also realize that a lot of the skills that we learned on the field are also what can be used on the battlefield of business. Because you can attest to that. Business is a sport. 
Sure. Business is battle. There is a battlefield that you go, and every day you want to be alongside people that want to win and want to fight just as hard as you do. So college can give that to some people if it's aligned with their purpose. If it's not, I don't think it's going to be necessary in another 5, 10, Mm -hmm. 20 years. But then the the word there is necessary versus a nice to have. And I think that that's the value of a lot of what technology provides from an information perspective. I think there'll be a lot of opportunities for people to learn and follow their purpose, not just their passion, because I think that's overused. But I think it's about figuring out what your purpose is, because a lot of things I'm passionate about, but I don't plan on driving an F1 car anytime. Soon. It's it. yeah, right? yeah. I, don't, I don't think I'm going to make it exactly. as an F1 driver. You should have but. started at four years old. Four years old. <laughs> let's, yeah. let's react to some of these videos here uh, before we wrap up the show here. Uh, get your thoughts on it. Um, let's bring up the uh, – uh, you want to start with Dion, Jordan? Start with Dion says. This is what he said about recruiting. Backs are different. Yeah. We want – Mother, father, you know, dual parent. Mm-hmm. We want that kid to be three, five, and up because he's got to be smart. Mm-hmm. Um, not bad decisions off the field uh, at all mm-hmm. because he has to be a leader of men. It's so it's many different attributes and what we look for. Uh, physical, I mean, offensive lineman. Defensive lineman is totally opposite. What do you mean? Single mama. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Trying to get it. Uh, he's on free lunch. I mean, like, uh, uh, I mean, I'm talking about just trying to make it. He's trying to rescue mama. Like, mama barely made the flight. Quarterbacks are different. Yeah. What are your thoughts about this? So, is there, like, is there certain attributes for. I mean, a lot of he's getting a lot of flack for that. Really? Why is he getting flack for? Because are you talking about the D line and stuff like that? Yeah, or? you're so wrong. You're so poli- you're so politically incorrect yeah. about that. And but that's the truth. Well, that's like, the reality. Yeah, I mean, you're looking for you're an angry. I'm looking for an angry D yeah, lineman. Yeah. It actually, and Tony said something earlier where he said that the best fighters are the ones that were the hungriest. That came from certain places. So I think it leads a conversation, which is the the nature nurture conversation. Yeah. And I think within human nature that. We're designed a certain way, but our upbringing also creates different characteristics along the way. Those characteristics can then be used and pivoted towards other uh, endeavors. And I think he's able to identify it as I catch my glasses. I think he's able to identify it and say, look, what I've found is that people that excel in this type of position are people with this type of background. And, you know, I think that it's completely aligned with human nature. And I think the fact that if people think that that's audacious, mm-hmm. I think that they're, uh, they're not aligning themselves with reality. And I think that what he said aligns with reality. I believe that he's gotten himself to where he is today because he speaks the, the reality that he lives by. And I have a lot of respect for that. Quick question. I'm a football fan, but does quarterbacks have to have a crazy IQ to be a successful quarterback? Because you gotta, you gotta be a ring general. It's, you gotta, you gotta have generalship on the field. You gotta be yeah. a leader. You have to be smart to be play quarterback. So that's why he's saying you gotta have a certain GPA and stuff like that to be a successful quarterback. Because, what do you think because, about that? Because you're studying the game. Okay, it's, it's an example of showing that you're studying. You're studying the schemes. You're studying. You're, you're doing film study, and that's what students do. Yeah, and that's what quarterbacks will have to do. They have to study the. I think it's the most important position, and I would say in, in, in all the sports. I mean, yeah. the, the, the quarterback. So, um, you know, that goes into it. Um, and some might even use the analogy that they're the CEO on the field at that moment. Yeah. And right? a coach. Because you have the and board you, of and advisors. Coach. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you have the board of advisors yeah. that are making some decisions in the box. Yeah. You have the team on the line, the offensive uh, yeah. coordinators, the defensive coordinators that are yeah. calling the plays. Yeah. But a lot of the times, the CEO that's there to pivot. What's going on? I had a great conversation with a gentleman named Chris Valletta. He runs an amazing company called Mission. They make a fabric that cools when it gets wet. And he was telling us this great story. And he's the one that's running this Texas A&M program. 
program, mm -hmm. telling us this great story about how COVID yeah. took one item that they had, of which was a neck gaiter, uh -huh. from a million in sales uh, a year to a million in sales a week. Bang. Mm. Because of the neck gator. Well, and he was telling us through the challenges, that's calling audibles on the field. Of course. He's calling yeah, yeah, yeah. audibles on the field. Yeah. He's seeing the defense line up in nickel. Hold on, what's going on? I see the blitz coming. Let's call this off. Yeah. Wait a second. We need to, you know, Audible, we need to. Yeah. Omaha, Completely. Omaha. Completely. That's it. Completely. So, so the, the, the view there is that the quarterback on the field is the closest person to having the CEO position on that yeah. team. And he can make decisions and he can call people out. He can hold them to high standards yeah. and call out from an accountability perspective. And then to what Tony said is I think that along with that comes a certain IQ and a certain EQ. Mm. That has to be able to lead people. Yep. And th there's a lot that comes with that. And also to what Dion said is having both parents at home help develop both of those skills mm -hmm. along the way. And plus you got to lead men. Completely. And, uh, um, yeah, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of there to unpack. I want to go to this next video here. Let's go to Tupac. Are you listen to uh, Tony? You grew up listening to Tupac? Oh, man, Pac's my guy. Of course. Right? <laughs> yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's, let's we can have the Pac video. Biggie conversation. Oh, okay. oh, he's coming. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Can I, can I stand up for the rest of this? <laughs> hold on. Here we go. So let's uh, hear what Tupac had to say here about God. I wanted God to know that even though I was going through the worst of times, I still recognized him as being something greater than myself. And that I'm not going to give up my faith just because it's going bad for me. Because he was there when I was living good. So I just want him to know that, you know, that I'm not no punk, that I'm not soft-hearted. That when it gets bad, I'm going to be like, oh, I don't believe in God no more. I believe in God all the time, every day, all day. Good and bad, rough and hard, five shots, jail time, everything. Good time, million dollars, Benzies, all that. I always believe in God because he gave it all to me. Imagine that message today with a current artist in 2023. An artist that has a bold enough conviction to talk about his faith. What artist in 2023, what modern artist today is talking about their faith and bold enough to even declare it? Yeah. Kanye, he's kind of doing it. Yeah. He made a couple of gospel music. What happened, and what happened to him? Yeah. Too bad, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it, by the way, sick gospel music. Yeah. This is, 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 is uh, his compilations, the way he's putting choirs together. Mm -hmm. Crazy music, this man. This is beautiful. But not too many people are doing it. And that's, and that's how I built my business, by putting God out there first. And I don't care what nobody think. Like, like you said, he, through the worst of times, through the best of times, I knew that God always had my back. I always, I always knew that God was in my life. I remember picking up trash for a living for six years straight mm -hmm. for free rent. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like when everybody, all my college friends was laughing at me, cracking jokes and stuff like that. But I'm still picking up trash. Like, yo, I know that I'm going I'm to do something better than this. Weren't you I'm mad like, at God when uh, you had eye surgeries? I never once mad at God. I, I think what, what made me... What made me uh, more successful, because I never cursed God throughout the whole process. Throughout the whole process, I always knew that, hey, something else is going to come bigger. And I think that's why I'm successful to this day, because my gratitude. I mean, my gratitude to God, my gratitude to faith, staying consistent with my tithing, staying consistent with giving, staying consistent with um, just when I'm scared, sow a seed. Every time I get afraid, every time I get nervous, and every time I just feel like something's going wrong, I sow a seed. And I, I was doing that not even knowing I was doing it. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I believe success has continued to come my way because I'm always sowing a seed. Even when I'm scared to sow a seed, when I don't want to, I just sow a seed. How, how does somebody in their worst moments, Tony, how does somebody in their worst moments still sow a seed? What's that formula? Man, what's, what's that action plan? Uh, and stay grateful during the tough moments. Feel the pain. Feel it in that moment. Boom, yeah. Don't let it beat you up. 
and do something that's gonna scare you. Be do do something that's gonna scare you and just um just have somebody in need. Give to a church. Do do something that's gonna naturally pick up your spirits. Because you can easily just stay down, you can easily beat yourself up like you no know, pun attended boxing. Yeah. You can easily do that, but once you notice it, do something right away. It's funny how that response had nothing to do with taking care of yourself, but taking care of other people. That's it. That's and that's that's that's, that's how that's how I live. That's how you sow a seed, man. Just sow a seed. Because so many people want to be just themselves. It's, it's in, in this yeah, world. 100%. Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, yeah, man. how many times as I wrap stuff up? I'm just asking this final question. Sure. Um, you lost your father a couple years ago, yep. as you shared earlier. Sure. Did you get mad at God? No. Were you like Tupac? Listen, I'm only, you know. Well, God only in good times. The, there were a lot of ups and downs throughout my relationship with with my father. And I had to realize that someone can't give you something that they don't have. And my, my father gave me what he had, and that's good and bad, and there are things. And I needed to also have conversations, even with my father's grave, mm-hmm. if I'm being even more uh, you know, upfront about it, and understanding what it is that he gave me in a good way and in a bad way. And I had to understand that, and I had to come to, I had to, come to terms with that. But at, at the end of the day, I couldn't blame God. I needed to look at it and say, what did I need to learn from this? And interesting enough, I happened to have my notebook, and it was, I had this written down. Someone said, I don't remember who said it recently, but it was John 13, 7. You may not know now, but later you will understand. And I, and I jotted that down. And now look when I needed it, when I'm sitting in front of two men that I have an immense amount of respect for. And at the same time, we can look back two years ago when we went to go have breakfast at the Breakers during a conference. And we just had a conversation. I said, you know, hello, and stuck my hand out. Next thing you know, sowing a seed into relationships, sowing a seed into friendship. How can you help people along the way when you moved here to Frisco? How can I help in any way possible? Two years later, we're sitting here, you know, a great podcast, people that, you know, can listen to maybe something that we can, we can sow into their lives, and that's the goal. You know, we, we put it out there because the idea is, is that no one owes us anything, but if we pray for what we want, then we earn it, and we get what we deserve, and that's why I always say earn it. Yeah. And everything we do, we need to earn, and that's why even if there's something that we don't get, maybe yeah. there's something that we didn't realize we didn't do to get it, yep. and, or God didn't want us to have it, and hey, no problem. Yeah. I saw a post okay on um, Instagram the other day said you can't replace prayer with work. What do you think about that? Oh, yeah, Ooh. yeah. <laughs> and we say all the time, pray like it's up to God, but work like it's yeah, up to exactly. you. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Every time I think about tough good. times, I think about the, the biblical character, and the whole entire book is dedicated to him, which is Job. It's funny, I saw the book of Job, J-O-B, right? But I pronounced it Job. It says, Mom, why do I got to read a book about Job? No, it's Job. Job. Yeah. And I started reading about Job and all the struggles he went through. And times were great. Next thing you know, God started taking things away from him because God was having a conversation with Satan talking about, all right. He goes, yeah, he's only praising you because times are great. And then what did God do? All right, let me pull back. Mm-hmm. Right? And, pull back a lot. Right? And then Satan <laughs> went after him and boom, right? And yeah. then what, what was Job saying in his whole process? Man, I even cursed the day I was born. He didn't curse, he didn't curse God directly. He cursed his own self. Like, I wish I was never born. I wish I never had this stuff. I wish I never had this business. I wish I never had this family. I wish I was never born. And then God questioned him, are you serious? You don't think I got purpose in your life? And the moment that Job had an attitude change, not only did he get all that back, but it was more than what he had originally because he, he became grateful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, he became thankful. Yeah, it's kind of like that old movie, um, um, uh, it's a wonderful life, yeah. and, and it's along those lines. And when you're grateful for what you have, the good, the bad, and the ugly, yeah. then uh, things can uh, build from there. Yeah, 100%. Sure. Thank well, you, gentlemen, man. I appreciate you both for being Thank here, you. man. Thank, Thank you. You guys are my first tandem 
interviews. The first Hope time I've done this. Hope it went amazing. Yeah. Hope this go viral. <laughs> I believe it will. <laughs> I pray that in the right uh, man or woman is going to yes. hear this conversation, hear your guys' story and how you guys are leading your lives and, and uh, know that uh, it's just not the riffraff that's out there. It's the gentleman that's out there working hard, willing to go through a wall, willing to contribute to the community, willing to honor and, and worship our God and, and, and have faith in our lives, not just because, you know, it's kind of like, hey, we believe in God. No, we believe in God and we're running our business and our life through it. And, that's, yeah. and the judgment is not whether or not, you know, it, the standard is not us walking on water. It doesn't make it perfect. Mm-hmm. It's because we're believers in Christ. It doesn't make us perfect. Yeah, but not the perfect fact, at all. The fact that we're looking to get better and, and excel. And I appreciate you guys living excellent lives and lives that people can model and, and follow through to as well. Thank, thank you. you for having thank us. You, thank you, thank you. So make sure you follow these gentlemen here. Their links are at the bottom. And if you've been watching this, make sure you hit subscribe, hit like, drop your comments below. You agree with us? You don't agree with us? Please put it in the comment section below. Next Wednesday, back with the Millionaire Goals podcast at 12 o'clock Central Standard Time, noon. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Tony Mack. Thank you. Jason Elias. <laughs> I'm a mighty smart guy. Until we meet again. Continue to live smart. Continue to love smart. And be mighty smart today. God bless you guys. Bye-bye.